Yesterday I was somebody's baby. Now today I'm a woman on my own. Whoa, I can't stand this living all baby welcome to love life skills for leaders where we heal the past love ourselves unconditionally and start our love lives over from a clean slate every damn day i'm candace harper relationship coach and hypnotherapist and i help high performing perfectionistic people overcome loneliness and create meaningful intimate connection and this is a mature conversation for powerful people who want to have their best possible love life whether single or couple Stick with me and learn why loneliness isn't contingent on whether or not you have a partner and how loneliness can be cured from the inside out. Also, make sure to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to watch and listen. All right, now let's do this. Welcome, 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 everybody. It's another fine Saturday when I'm recording this. I don't know what day you'll be listening, but right now I'm recording on a Saturday. It's a beautiful Saturday. You might actually hear the children playing in the pool out back in my uh, apartment complex backyard. And that's perfectly fine because it's a beautiful summer sound and sometimes you just need to hear a little bit of joy. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Today, I'm talking about a very morbid topic. It's very sad, very morbid, but we're going to put some happy spin on it. Dying alone, right? It's something, it's a fear. It's a fear that a lot of people have. It's, it's something that people hang over other people's heads to threaten them. Like, oh, the threat of dying alone. And, you know, the topic of it comes up a lot because um, a lot of, of, you know, love industry gurus, a lot of uh, dating advice givers, a lot of relationship advice givers, I myself am one, a lot will tell you that uh, there's an issue with dying alone. And, and as a matter of fact, one that recently died alone, that was sort of their platform. And I'm not going to mention his name. I've mentioned it before and I'm not, you know, on the track of team that person or not that person. It just, I don't speak ill of the, of the passed away. And so... We'll let that person rest, but you know who I'm talking about. And we're talking about this concept of dying alone. And it is a very um, effective fear tactic to threaten someone with dying alone. So you need to be better or you will die alone. You need to stop being so fat or you will die alone. You need to stop being so outspoken or you will die alone. You need to stop being so aggressive or you will die alone. You need to stop... I don't know, not shaving your armpits or you'll die alone. You need to stop. Whatever it is someone's trying to shame you about, you got to stop doing that or you will die alone. Now, you know that I, I don't necessarily cotton to a shame conversation because I don't think we grow through shame. What I think we do is we actually get worse when we're shamed, when we're abused, when we're told something is wrong with us that we need to fix, that's usually the opposite thing that we do is to fix it. What we, we usually end up doing when we're feeling shame is spiral down lower and lower into the depths of whatever it is that we're doing that is unworkable for us. So all the well-meaning people out there who want to, you know, uh, fear monger and shame anyone about the idea of, of leaving this life, making your transition alone, 
Let's really get crystal clear about what dying alone really means and how you can be someone who prevents yourself from dying alone and it has nothing to do with whether or not you are in a romantic relationship. So like I mentioned, I definitely was somebody for a long time, if you would have asked me, and you know, I'm a healing circle kind of girl, so I was in many a healing circle where the question of, you know, what do you fear the most would come up? And my answer was often, I fear dying alone the most. And I will tell you at that time that my concept of dying alone was some, you know, Hollywood designed idea of not being in my perfect, passionate, in love partnership and having to pass into the netherworld, the netherworld on my own and um, not have anyone to hold my hand or to be there as I decline and spend out the rest of my days on my own, not having any way to, to support myself when I'm older and just not having that intimacy with anyone. So that was my fear. That's what my framing of dying alone was. And of course, with that framing, it just sounds horrible, right? When you think about it. And it also sounds even more horrible if we would possibly do something that might cause it, right? If there was something about me, and this is how we, we sort of play to our human need for acceptance. Right? If I make you believe that there's something about you that makes it so that you're unacceptable, then of course there's gonna be a fear, a fear that you're gonna be alone, a fear that you're gonna be cast off the island, and a fear that that's how you're going to die. It's naturally ingrained in us as human beings to not wanna be castaways, to not wanna be uh, the, the rejects, to not wanna feel unaccepted. And so when we, we're moving about in our romantic lives, in our love lives, that gets triggered pretty often, that sort of natural fear, that natural state of, you know, please accept me, please love me, because where else, besides let's say our family, are we more concerned about having, you know, love and connection? Are we more concerned about being seen, heard, and accepted than in our love lives, right? So the fear of dying alone, if you have a framing of dying alone that is like I described, where no one will care, you know, maybe you're in a nursing home somewhere and you're being neglected. No one will be there to hold your hand that you'll have to pass. You know, you have to follow, you know, flow into the light all on your own and nobody will be there to comfort you. And that's how you're framing it. And that's what you're fearing. And that is motivating how you move through your dating life or whether or not someone can shame you into moving through your dating life in a certain way. I want to break down the things that actually mean dying alone, the, act, the actual things that you could do to actually have that outcome of dying alone. And it, in the hopes, I'm going to share these things, in the hopes that you'll listen to them and understand that you, it's all in your hands. The dying of aloneness, the state of aloneness, the state of being alone, the state of no one cares about me is all in our hands. We get to determine that experience and it has nothing to do with whether you're married or not whether you're in a romantic relationship or not, I've seen and heard of and read about and talked about and researched and studied. There are many cases of people who are in a marriage and they, they die alone, meaning that they die with a mentality that I am not seen, heard, and accepted. I am not loved, right? That's the only kind of dying alone that exists, that no one cares about me. I have the perception that no one cares about me. 
right? So if you're already harboring a perception that's similar to that, if you are telling yourself that lie, that you are not valuable, no one loves you, no one cares about you, you wanna take a look at what you're using to prove that. Is it because you, know, you have children that don't come around often enough? Is it because uh, you feel like people don't do what you want them to do as far as how you want them to show up in their lives? Maybe you have adult parents who don't show up in your life the way you would want them to, maybe don't support you and help you the way that, they, that you would want. Maybe you have siblings that don't give you the, the uh, credit that you feel like you deserve, whether emotionally or you know, just in life, don't give you the accolades, don't seem to uh, get in touch with you as much as you would like. Maybe you've had a string of romantic relationships where you feel underappreciated like you didn't get your due in those relationships. Like think about what are the things that could be informing my fear of dying alone? What are the things that could be having me think that this could possibly be my fate? I will tell you that when I was in that mindset of framing dying alone, of actually just being by myself, I was someone who had a story, I had it in my mind that, that no one cared. And it wasn't true. That's just what I decided. If people weren't showing up the way I wanted them to, they didn't care. If people weren't um, you know, in agreement with the way that I thought about something, and you know, obviously this is emotional maturity, you grow up out of these things, right? But you wanna be cognizant, is this what's still on my mind? Am I um, you know, uh, guilting people who I believe should be in my life a certain way and making demands that they be in my life a certain way, and because they are not, I'm making that mean that they don't care about me, that I am uncared for, right? So you wanna get into how your own mindset, your own thinking, your own paradigm is setting you up for dying alone. It's not about you know, whether you're overweight, it's not about you know, whether you look the way somebody high value would want you to look, it's not about, um, you know, that you are not wanting to settle for anything less than what you want. And I'm speaking to all genders here. It's not about any of those things, this, this threat of dying alone. Here are the things I wanna talk about that really will ensure dying alone. And knowing that it's not a physical state, it's an emotional state, right? Leaving this earth, being physically alone could happen to any one of us at any time. Right, someone who, who could have a, a rich, wonderful, abundant family life and someone who's so madly, passionately in love with them could go on a trip and be somewhere where their family couldn't get to them in time and they could die alone somewhere. So it's not a physical state. It's not about whether you have somebody there with you. It's about the, the mental and emotional state of knowing that you are seen, heard, accepted, and loved. Right, that's what loneliness is when you don't have that. That's what will give you that feeling of I'm, I'm leaving this world alone, not knowing that you are loved, seen, heard, and accepted. That's what's going to do it, right? So let's talk about some things. And I want you to use this as a checklist because if I'm doing these things, I am increasing my likelihood of dying alone. And surprise, surprise, it has nothing to do with dating. It has nothing to do with whether I'm making myself look pretty enough. It has nothing to do with if I'm making enough money or not. If I'm doing these following things, I am 
increasing my probabilities of dying in an emotional state of aloneness. The first one, sitting in harsh judgment of everyone. Right? So I am, if I'm sitting in harsh judgment of other people, criticizing other people, telling everyone else what's wrong with them, what their problem is, what they need to fix, turning my nose up at people. It's a little side note, I actually went with my boo. He took me to the Bridgerton experience. For those of you out there who are Bridgerton, Bridgerton fans, I actually only saw the first season, but it was enough to make me want to go to the Bridgerton experience. It looked very exciting, very fun. And, you know, it was just a sweet opportunity to just have some fun, to suspend our disbelief and be cute and wear little things. And, you know, we got there and he bought me a tiara and it was very, like, we just had a fantastic time. Now, most of the people who were there were, you know, millennial-aged women. Um, my guess is that a majority of them were single. But really just giving over to the fantasy and the love and everyone looked so beautiful and everyone was having fun. And it, it just, you know, it was beautiful little visuals and vignettes. It was a great time. It was a wonderful time. And there was a woman there who literally, like, clearly was there uh, because her sister insisted, because that's what she was saying. Like, my sister's 32 years old. I can't believe that she's going in for this stuff. Like, like eye rolling, full judgment. And it took everything I had not to turn around and say, oh, so you're the judgmental sister. Right? There's always that person in, in the family or there's always uh, someone in the friend group. There's often someone in a couple where judgment, constantly criticizing, always with a moral judgment, always with the turning the nose up, always with that. If you're doing that with people and you're doing that on a consistent basis, I'm not saying we all judge sometime or another, we all you know, fall short, we all, you know, end up in certain relationships where we feel very judgy in those relationships. I myself definitely do it. But if you find yourself to be someone who's constantly criticizing, criticizing strangers, criticizing the people you know, talking about people behind their back, always got something to say, always have your, you know, nose turned up or your eyes downcast or your whatever, look at that. Because people don't want to be around that energy that energy of constantly being criticized. And even those who love you the most will fade away if they feel constantly criticized. And if you're doing that with everyone around you, everyone who's close to, everyone that you know, you are increasing your chances of dying alone with that feeling of not being loved, heard, seen, or accepted. Number two, if you keep dating emotionally unavailable people, and I don't care on what level, oh, the dogs are barking, I don't care on what level they're emotionally unavailable. If they're, if they're in other relationships, if they're married, if they're um, you know, just not emotionally mature enough to actually be in the relationship, if they don't have their life together and they're not viable for a relationship in the sense that they don't know where they're going, what their purpose is, what they're doing, they're asked from a hole in the ground, you know, they, have, they don't have a handle on their addictions. If you keep dating people based on external things that are not really available to you for what you say you want and what you want is a full sustainable loving relationship you stay in that pattern of dating people that you try to have to try to control and force into a loving relationship and they can never get there because they're not viable for it that's a good way to increase your probabilities of dying alone people that you have to work hard to please that you can never hit the bar that they keep raising for you 
people who don't know how to treat you emotionally, people who get with you because they want to change you, right? And so there's that, that whole contingent of both men and women and everything in between of people who get in relationships with the intention to change a person. I was that person myself. I had to cure that within myself that I don't need to be with anybody else where when I look at them, I see someone I have to change. Soon as I, I recognize that, I know they're not the person for me. If I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, oh, if only you were, you know, smarter, a better dresser, more loving, more attentive. If only you were, you know, more able to interact with me. If only you were able to behave the way I wanted you to behave, like any of those things. If you keep dating, if only you were actually single, <laughs> if only you wanted to commit, you keep dating those people that are not available to you, trying to make them, force them, have them be available to you. If, if only you weren't addicted to something, you definitely increase your probabilities of dying alone because those aren't the people that are gonna ever love, see, hear, or accept you. Making financials the highest priority, priority you know, the, what they label under high value, high, the high value man. The high-value woman. The high-value man has so much money. He's got all his shit together. He's, you know, moving and shaking and, you know, wearing suits. Right? Making, making that sort of thing the highest priority in your relationship needs. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting somebody who is responsible enough to have their finances together. There's nothing wrong with wanting somebody who understands their value and their worth in life and so therefore is responsible with their money. That's core value stuff. But when your idea is, I gotta have somebody who can take me on yachts and that's the priority. I don't care if he's a dick to me. I don't care if he never has time to actually connect with me intimately. You know, as long as he buys me all the things that I want him to buy me, as long as he, you know, fits in with whatever status I'm trying to reach in my community, you know, making that the highest priority is, is almost a surefire way to die alone. Because somebody who you want on that level probably wants you as, you know, what a high value woman is, which means you look a certain way, basically, and you're willing to be subservient. So they're looking for that. If you're willing to be that, it's like, you know, it's a business transaction, it's horse trading. So at some point, one of you is gonna lose your value and, and the other one's gonna have to trade up, right? But no one's loving, seeing, hearing anybody. No one's causing any sort of connection that will mean anything that when, even if we're apart in my heart, I know that I have this other human being on this earth who loves, sees, hears, and accepts me. No one's causing that for each other when we're worried about whether you're high value. I know I keep putting that in, in finger quotes because it's so stupid. Right? So that's a surefire way to die alone is to be worried about those things, making, your, making them your highest priority in the person that you match with. The highest priority should be to be loved, seen, heard, and accepted. Seen, seen for who you are. When I am myself fully expressed, fully authentic, every bit of me, my sense of humor, my, my emotions, how I express myself, my paradigms about life, what I think and I believe, that person doesn't have to agree with it, but people have to be able to see you and accept you so that you, you are experiencing love. Right? That's the experience of having someone love you. That's the experience of loving someone else, seeing them, accepting them for who they are, embracing who they are, 
Um, you know, not being attached to them, not holding on to them, but being able to see who someone authentically is and say, yes, that is a person that I want to care about. That is a person I want to spend time with, or that is a person I want to be tough love around. I want to, I do want to see good things for that person. And I, I want that person to align with me. And if they don't align with me, I can, you know, let them go and love them from afar. But I can see you. I see intimacy, into me see. I can see you. That is love. I see you and accept you. I accept you. See and accept. That's all it is. We make it so complicated. When we leave this world, when we transition out of this world with that, ooh, birthday party, there's music starting with that feeling of seen and accepted. We don't, we're not dying alone. We don't have to die alone. All right, we only got a few more because the birthday party is starting. I was hoping that I was gonna be able to record before the birthday party got started. But you know what, time is almost up anyway. So uh, keep trying to manipulate and control the people that you date. If you wanna die alone, keep trying to manipulate the people that you, and control the people that you date. Because while you're manipulating and controlling, they are not getting to see you. They're not getting to really hear you. You might get them in your bed. You might get them to you know, end up being co-parents with you. You might get them to spend money on you. You might get a lot of worldly things out of a relationship that you're controlling and manipulating. But one thing you will not get is a healing of that feeling of loneliness. One thing you will not get is the intimate connection of being seen, heard, and accepted. Only care about yourself. If you want to cause yourself to die alone, increase your probabilities of dying alone, who wants that? Nobody does. So if you are in a state of only caring about yourself, don't get me wrong, you are the first priority for you. You have to first see, hear, and accept yourself, right? Find that love for yourself. And once you've done that, you can then overflow. But if you only do that for yourself, if you only listen to yourself, like in an echo chamber, if you only, um, uh, care about what you need and you interact with people based on what you need and what you can get from that person, what that person is giving you. If you're in a constant state of demand for yourself, because it's all about what you, your intake, what you receive without any sort of reciprocation, without any sort of giving, without the intention of overflowing with abundance, without being able to give. Let me tell you, if you're somebody who doesn't have anything to give, the most giving thing that you can do is not get into a relationship with someone. The most giving and, and generous and abundant thing you can do when you have nothing to give, because we've all been there, we've all you know, hit our rock bottom around things, whether it's around finances or addiction or any of that stuff. When you're at those lowest points, the most giving, loving thing that you can do is to first fill yourself up before you get into any sort of relationship with anybody else when you know you're unable to to offer them anything so if you want to increase your probability of dying alone only care about you only care about you don't care about anybody else only care about what other people can do for you you want to increase your probability to be alone be opportunistic in relationships now that speaks to only caring about you but also, you know, the being opportunistic is, you know, look for every opportunity where you can gouge that person, right? And whoever you're with, go through a series of relationships where you're looking for opportunities where you can get what you want, get what you need. And it's only about what you want and what you need. And how do I know I'm in a state of it's only about what I want and what I need? I'm constantly complaining about what I'm not getting. And there are so many of us that unconsciously 
walk around in the state of, I didn't get this, I didn't get that, that person didn't do this, that person didn't do the other thing, that person owes me this, this is why we live in such a litigious society, I, I need my due, I didn't get what I, I deserve, I need more, it's up to another person to give me more, why didn't that person give me what I want, why aren't they giving me what I asked for, what I demanded, I want to speak to the manager. Like there's so many of us walking around in that state of what the world owes us and what everyone owes us. And so we become very, very opportunistic when it starts to look like we can get or we can take. And I know I'm making it sound like so many of us are just, just horrible and selfish. It's a lot of it's very unconscious. Yes, there are people out there who are just basically on the take, but for the most part, there, it's a lack of consciousness. Like this is how I'm setting myself up for dying alone. I'm only caring about what I can take from others. Ooh, the music's getting loud. There's gonna be a birthday party later, y'all, down by the pool, and I probably will be joining, by the way. Just, you know, have a little fun. Um, and then the last one is maintain your victim status and never take any responsibility. If you wanna, like, really, I was gonna say continue to, but that's assuming that you're already doing these things. And, you know, you're my tribe, so I don't think that's the case. But for anybody who needs to hear it, if you really want to raise your probability of dying alone, Hold on to that victim status. Make all your problems everyone else's fault, right? Whether you wanna make it your parents' fault, whether you wanna make it your siblings, your family of origin's fault, you wanna make it that teacher you had in third grade's fault, you wanna make it anybody else's fault. And that's not to say that we don't go through traumas, that's not to say that people don't do horrible things to us growing up. That's, I talk about it all the time, what we go through when it comes to conditioning. I'm not negating any of that stuff. But at some point, emotional maturity dictates that if we want a different situation, if we want a different experience, we've got to take over and take responsibility for creating our own experience. So I can't do that from the place of a victim. I can't, I can't take over and take control of my story and control my narrative from the place of I have no control over my narrative. That because this thing happened to me or because of what I've been through, I have no possibility for anything else, right? And I know it's not an easy thing. I know it's one of the most challenging things that we do in life, but we can either be the bad luck story or we can be the creator of possibility. And those are the choices that we have, right? And within the choice of being a creator of possibility and I'm gonna take responsibility for what I can control, I'm gonna take responsibility for what I can create, that's where the, the stuff of life is. That's where all the stuff that we want is. But from the place of, well, because my mama didn't do right, my daddy didn't do right, you know, people didn't do me right growing up, and I've suffered so much, and I've been through so much trauma, you know, because of all those things, I am unable to. And it's not that it's not valid to feel that way. It's not that it's not understandable that any human being would feel that way. But the only way out is out. And we have to be willing to release the story of all I identify myself as is a victim because that increases our probabilities for dying alone. Now this is such an existential topic. I feel like I could go on and on and on, but y'all know I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to give you quick hits. I'm trying to give you little bites, little nuggets, right? If you want to work with me for real and really do my framework, Love Life Skills for Leaders, it's a big deal, y'all. It's a 12-week intensive. And I'm launching something new, which I'm gonna talk about a little bit, just a little hint of it, because I haven't fully put everything in place. 
but I'm starting a year-long community around Love Life Skills for Leaders for those who really want to dive into the framework, the curriculum, the things that I teach month by month. Now on the podcast, you guys just get me talking about different topics, but if you really want to do exercises, you really want to work with me, work with me one-on-one, work with me in the group, where you get to do, actually implement, actually apply the things that I talk about to your life so that you can be experiencing what you want to experience. So you can have the love life that you want to experience. You, so that you have the power to know how to transition in and out of relationships, out of the ones that don't work and into the ones that do. You know, like I, I have spent my lifetime in mastery of that, knowing how to um, create a relationship the way that I want it to be without trying to control the other person, create myself around it. <clears throat> and that's whether or not someone is ultimately in alignment with me. If they're not in alignment with me, then you gotta be masterful around releasing someone. You gotta be masterful around letting a relationship go and what that means. And that doesn't mean you don't have feelings and that you don't care, but it takes a lot of um, willingness to to take responsibility for our experience in order to do it in a way that we do ultimately get to experience our love life as an amazing, wonderful, miraculous, fantastic thing. And why else be here if that's not what it is, <laughs> right? And as someone who's, who's living a very loving love life right now, I just want it for everybody else too. All right, so if you want to work with me around it, you want to, you're tired of playing the games, you're tired of struggle love, you're tired of being disenchanted, disappointed, you know, dis dysfunctional, disused, how many other dis words I can come up with, you know, get with me, bit.ly forward slash love life skills for leaders. You can sign up for a complimentary consultation and talk about, you know, we'll talk about whether you're um, compatible. And I do have some other um, stuff coming up to announce the group. Anyway, that's it for now. The birthday party's only gonna get louder and you know, I only have this little bit of time to record. I love you so much. If you wanna follow me on Instagram, I'm at Candy Love Coach. If you wanna follow me on TikTok, I'm at Candy Love Coach. Subscribe on YouTube and that's it. I love you so much. Until next time, keep being unapologetically lovable and give yourself grace. I love you so, so much. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Bye now.